0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Little Bits of Stuff, a podcast that showcases different health-related topics for medical professionals and non-medical audiences. This show is brought to you by Nick Ate, a surgical resident at University College Hospital, Ibadan, Nigeria. And here's your host, Nick.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Child Sexual Abuse Series with dr nick we have another guest in the house and this time he has decided not to be anonymous and so we'll be sharing his experience just as it is please welcome to the show
2: hey mambo vp mambo vp my name is storm wabuko that's s-t-o-m no r aka almadusi aka Mamabella's son from Busia, Kenya. I'm just an ordinary guy trying to live out his purpose each and every day and to make every effort
1: count. In the last episode, we shared the experience of a child uh, sexual abuse survivor who was a female. And in this episode, we'll be talking about, we'll be sharing the experience of a male child sexual abuse survivor. There's a one in six chance that you'll meet a female i mean a male child sexual abuse survivor, and there are several myths that surround the child sexual abuse survival for boys and i'll be mentioning just a few so that we get a good grasp of what these myths are and um, how to debunk them the first one is the myth that boys can't be sexually used or abused and if one is he can never be a real man Now everyone absorbs this myth and um, we always uh, make it central to masculine gender socialization. And then um, we boys do pick up on this earlier in life and believe that to be a real man, um, you must not have been sexually abused before. And this goes on and on and our society expects males to be able to protect themselves. And um, whether you agree with you know, these um, issues or not, the truth of the matter is that boys are not men. They are children, they are weaker, and they are more vulnerable than those who sexually abuse and exploit them. And these perpetrators use their greater size strength and knowledge to manipulate or coerce these boys into unwanted sexual practices and then also try to silence them, you know, by whatever means possible. This is usually done from a position of authority like a coach, a teacher, re- religious leader or an older cousin, uh, a social leader, a brother you know, using whatever means available to re- to reduce resistance. And, um, you know, the, 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 the outcome most of the time is that they, they get to cajole or cause boys, you know, using special privileges or money or gifts or promises, you know, or bribes. So one in six boys are sexually abused before the age of 18. And these boys, you know, grow up to be strong, powerful, courageous, and healthy men. And um, it it goes without saying that even though, you know, that's what the the society expects, to grow up strong, powerful, courageous, and healthy as men, we, we, we still have these issues at the back of our minds. And we cannot dispute the fact that male children also need to be looked after not just the females. Another myth is that if a boy experienced sexual arousal during abuse, he wanted or he enjoyed it. And if he ever did partly want the sexual experiences, then they were his fault. Now, many boys and men who believe this myth feel you know, lots of guilt and shame because they got physically aroused during the abuse it is important to understand that males can respond to sexual stimulation with an orgasm and erection you know and even when it is traumatic or painful that's just you know how the male body works those who sexually use and abuse boys know this and they often attempt to maintain secrecy you know try to keep the abuse going you know by telling the child his sexual re- responses shows that he's a willing participant and you know they they often made, you know talk about the fact that he also wanted it he liked it you know but that doesn't make it so that doesn't make it true mm-hmm. boys are not seeking to be sexually abused or exploited however the manipulation they have to go through to you know become exploited in such manner is what usually you know makes them uh, vulnerable. So, um, whether the boy had a sexual arousal to eat or not, it does not take out the fact that the boy was probably betrayed by someone who uh, he trusted in the first place, uh, who he felt would never do this. And then at the end of the day, uh, is unable to find ways to actually say this out and tell people about it. The third myth is that sexual abuse is less harmful to boys than girls. Now, most studies show that the long-term effects of sexual abuse and assaults can be quite damaging for both females and males. Okay, the harm caused by sexual abuse or assaults mostly depends on things, you know, which are not determined by gender, you know, um, including the abuser's identity, duration of the abuse, you know, whether the child told anyone at that time or not, you know, was the child believed, was the child helped. So, many boys suffer harm because adults, of course, will not believe that a boy had been raped or or a boy had been sexually abused, sorry and this increases the harm the shame that these boys feel as men you know eventually when they grow up and you know many people believe that boys or guys should you know tough it out you know boys should um, find a way to get it off their minds and so you know believe that they do not need help but that is another myth that we need to be careful about another myth is that most men who are sexually abused, By I mean, who sexually abuse boys, are gay, there is no study, there's no research to actually support that claim, okay? Men who have been sexually abused, or men who have sexually abused a boy, most often identify as heterosexual and you know are often involved in you know normal opposite sex relationships even at the time of the abusive interaction so there's no there's nothing to say that you know men who abuse boys are gay or um their their you know uh orientation their sexual orientation is towards you know men or bisexual or anything like that okay uh there's another myth that boys abused by males must have attracted the abuse because they are gay or or, or they become gay as a result. There are several different theories about how sexual orientation develops, but there's no good evidence that someone can make another person be homosexual or heterosexual. So sexual orientation is a very complex issue and there's no single answer or theory that explains why someone identifies himself as homosexual, bisexual, or heterosexual. It is common for boys who have been abused to express confusion about their sexual orientation or identity, whether they identify as straight or gay or bisexual. You know, some guys who identify as heterosexual fear that, you know, due to their experiences as boys, they must really be homosexual. You know, there are several thinkings, I mean, several thoughts about this, but um, there is no um, what do you call, there's no uh, research that actually says um, um, they must turn out as gay or they lose their sexual um, orientation. So, it is important to remember that abuse arises from the abusive person's failure to develop and maintain healthy adult sexual relationships and his or her willingness to sexually use and abuse kids. It has nothing to do with preferences or desires of the child who is abused and therefore cannot determine a person's sexual, natural sexual identity. The sixth one is the myth that if a female used or abused a boy, he was lucky, and if if he doesn't uh, feel that way, there's something wrong with him. Um, this myth, like several others, you know, uh, comes from the image of masculinity that boys learn from very early. Okay. It says not only that males can't be sexually abused, but that any sexual experience with girls and women, especially older ones, is, is evidence that you know he's a real man, he's lucky, you know he was exposed early, you know every guy wants to make out, you know, and things like that. In reality, premature quest or um, um, otherwise abusive or exploitive uh sexual experiences are never positive whether they're imposed by an older sister a friend uh, a babysitter neighbor uh, a mother or any other female in, in a position of power over a boy at a minimum they cause uh confusion and insecurity they almost always harm boys and men's capacity for trust and intimacy okay being sexually used or abused whether by males or females can cause a variety of other emotional and physiological uh, or psychological problems Sorry, and you know, boys and men often don't recognize the connections between what happened and their later problems so to be used as a sexual object by a more powerful person male or female is never a good thing and can cause lasting harm. Uh, There's another myth that says that boys who are sexually abused will go on to abuse others. The myth is especially dangerous, uh, uh, this particular one, because it can create a terrible fear in boys and men. They may not only fear becoming abusers themselves, but that others will find out they were abused and believe they are in danger or a danger to children. Sadly, you know, it's not always the case. While it is true that many, you know, who are sexually abused or who sexually abuse children have histories of sexual abuse, it is not true, emphasis on not true, that most boys who are sexually abused go on to sexually abuse others. The majority of boys do not go on to become sexually abusive as adolescents or other or adults even though you know even those who do you know perpetrate as um, teenagers um, especially when they get help um, for now we'll stop here and then listen to the experiences of a male sexual abuse survivor let's stay to the end and you'll get some other final bonus points. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited
2: to be on this platform but also nervous, anxious uh, to dig into this hole that we, I have been trying to close. Um, I was 12, 12 years of age when it all started. and. I really had no idea what was going on. I was a very, very, very shy and naive child uh, growing up. uh, One who kept all or most, especially sensitive things, to himself. I am still shy, but yes, compared to when I was young, I was extremely shy. Yeah. the person he was a family friend actually our families met through me and him i think he had stopped uh, my friend and i some day, a certain day when we were from school and just engaged us in conversation and i think from from that day on uh there's this friendship that grew and which between me and him which later grew to both our families, and we are quite tight. Yeah, Uh, so he was more like a big brother to me, because I happen to be the only boy in our family. I have four beautiful, amazing, and wonderful sisters. So he was like a big brother to me and to to us, because when I was 12, he was in college, so Maybe in his twenties, <sighs> mid twenties or something. Yeah. So, oh, he he was also a pastor. <laughs> he he later on became a pastor. And when that abuse was happening, he was still pastoring in their church. Um. I think, I can't remember exactly how it started but I remember him, there's a day I went to visit, Uh, there's a day I went to visit a place, our houses were not that far from each other I think about say maybe 300 meters apart, 300 meters apart yeah, so they, so, you know, sometimes I've gone and spend at their place, Times we'd come and spend at our place. But so there's a time I went to visit, and as a kid, <laughs> I'm interested in action movies. I'm interested in uh, a lot of movies where people are fighting, and Chuck Norris, Rex, Inbad, all that stuff, wrestling. So this time we are alone in the in the house, so he puts on a movie, we are watching, so there's this guy, he's driving a, I think it was an ATV, yeah, riding it and going to a certain place, Uh, lonely cabin in some unknown place, there's a lady in that room, okay they start engaging in conversation and I'm just sitting there wondering okay when <laughs> will the fighting start <laughs> I'm waiting to see people get kicked I'm waiting to see uh blows get thrown okay wow next thing these guys don't have clothes okay ah uh, why is this man putting something in the lady's mouth what is she doing <laughs> what kind of fighting is this it was a follow movie my young self had no idea i just found it weird and confused like what kind of fighting is this what is this uh yeah few minutes in i i, I was uncomfortable and uh, i think i tried going home but i couldn't he he wouldn't let me go home and i think that the door was locked so Uh, He had to watch the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, From there it was just uh, about him trying to convince me that that was normal, these things happen. I should try it sometimes, whatever it was that he meant trying, I did not understand it then. Okay, so remember I said we had spent at the place, he spent at our place. and i think for most kids or let me say myself at that age i would i when it was time to sleep i would sleep <laughs> rapture would have happened and i wouldn't have any idea there could have been an earthquake at night and i wouldn't know so i would sleep like a baby they say so there's a time uh i think i'm not sure if it i think it was a our place then so in the middle of the night I I just happened to wake up one day and so from sleep Oh let me let me say that when he would spend at our place or when I would spend at their place we would share a bed so we, we, we are not that well off or we are not that well off so we didn't have a guest room uh, the guest if he was male would share my bed because my sisters had uh, their own room. Remember, four sisters. Uh, so I remember four sisters, and we used to live with a cousin, female cousin. So I, I had like five sisters that to me had like you know, five sisters. One was a cousin, but aunt has a sister, so they had their own room. Uh, my parents their room, then I would sleep in the living room. It was big, so the my bed was behind the sofa set, so that's where I would sleep. Um, so we'd share bed. So this night, I wake up, you know, confused and uh, so sleepy. And I noticed this something on my lips. Like, okay, what's happening? My hands have been opened so uh, apparently that's what i came to make out later on he he had been kissing me through the night and was trying to think masturbate me or trying yeah give me a hand job and so i have no idea what is going on here and I try to push my head back, but you know, <laughs> I'm still I'm still small, and he's stronger than me. So yeah, he continued to kiss me, and uh, so he wanked on himself. Okay, see, so he masturbated right there at night in the dark and trying all this time trying to (laughs) tell me not to make any sound or do anything and he just was there he masturbated and he he came and so we on his hands so with his wet hands put his hands inside my pants and also tried to do the same for me this time I'm just I was so confused I had no idea what was going on and I couldn't uh, do anything I can't (laughs) run to go and wake my parents up I don't understand what is going on and remember I am a naive shy kid who is trying to understand what is this thing going on plus what am I going to tell them and the trust that is with This family, this big brother of ours, uh, our pastor, (laughs) is just too huge. So, we just lay there quiet and lived through that first incident. Uh, That happened. And I think one one of the character traits I usually have is I can't be mad at someone for more than a day. I don't know how to hold grudges so I I trust easily so I forgive very fast. That happened and I think I threw it somewhere so far at the back of my mind and the next day I I tried to live as if it was not happening. That time I think I was in standard 5 or class 5 or primary 5 or grade 5, whichever, yeah so yeah that happened and um, continued being family friends uh, sometimes i'd spend at their place Just because they, they had a big tv so many movies uh, i could watch movies at their place our place we used to have you know we used to have electricity <laughs> if mom or dad find some money and pays for the electricity then we'd have electricity but a major part of uh, my childhood especially during that time from five up to high school we we didn't have constant electricity it was three quarter of the time we had we we used to use a lamp paraffin um, So it it was exciting to me as a kid to go to their place because I'd get a chance to watch movies, new movies that came and go and brag about it to my fellow friends at school. So sometimes I'd spend at their place and the same thing would happen when I'm dead asleep and he uh, does the same thing. And if I'm lucky, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and notice what's going on. Yeah, so This happened from Age 12, 13 And some bits of 12, okay 13, 14, 15 Yeah So about 3 years There are um, some Few times there's there's one or two times when I spent at our place I I tried resisting so I I got out of bed and decided to go and sleep on the <laughs> sofa. So of course if my parents would, or anyone would would have woken up and found me sleeping on the sofa and yet I have a bed, <laughs> I would have been asked questions uh, which <coughs> I would have had to explain. So he knew this, and when I get out of bed, he convinced me through polite (laughs) warning to go back uh, to bed. And also asked me, okay, what if my parents find me there? What am I going to say? Of course, I was like, okay, how am I going to say this? What am I going to say? So just go back to bed, and he continues with that. He would try to make me... Forcefully take my hand, put it on his uh, manhood, try to jack him off and to make love. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah make love and. The few times I tried confronting him or behaving as if I didn't want to engage, I think he would just talk me, try to talk me into it, trying to make it, make me see that that was a normal thing. That he tried to make me feel like I was missing out on what everyone else was. Doing and also trying to give me, like, yo, it's good for you, good for your health, good for a lot of BS that I don't even remember. And um, uh, so this happened uh, throughout that time, and I think. I think another reason I, I i forgave him first or would just store these things at the back of my mind was the fact that growing up i have always desired to have a brother I told you i'm the only one in your family i love my sisters but there's just this longing and yearning to have a brother i still have it and god has given me some amazing friends that have become brothers to me but i Always wanted a brother. So, since this was the figure in uh, my life at that time, it was always more of okay, okay. My brother offended me, but yeah, we are family. We still gotta move forward with the lives. Yeah, that happened. I never complained to it about to anyone. I never told. Anyone because I didn't know how to do it as the years progressed it moved from It moved to now me feeling so unworthy having these self-esteem issues and Resigning to the fact that yo, there's nothing good that's to come to my life and I can't give the world anything good I am worthless and useless so since he had fed me all these lies and uh, their activities in quotes used to go on the movies he still show them so all that going into my mind and not being able to tell anyone so Anytime I'd feel down or depressed, I would go back to that what he had done. So which means I fell into a lot of watching porn and masturbation. And for me it was not really to for that sexual need or to get to feel good. It was more of this is what I have been taught and that this is the only I am so worthless that this is the only thing I can do. So anytime I'd feel low, I'd go back to that. And I'd watch it, but I would be so disgusted while watching it, but somehow I just couldn't control myself. And also... Another reason I couldn't tell. Especially my family, my parents, my sisters, you know, my, my my parents are conservative, <laughs> conservative type, as in the ones, especially my mom. Conservative in the sense that we, we cannot and have never even had a sex topic or discussion or just talking about sex not not even sex deeply into sex as in generally or on the outside, and that was not sex alone, so many topics, so even to date it's even weird, okay, how do I start such a conversation it's hard so there's no way I was going to tell it to anyone uh. What this did to me, especially my mind, my mind, <laughs> my mental health has never been great since that time. First of all, I am a wait, phlegm and sanguine. So I pushed all these things the back of my mind and tried to live as if it never happened all those years but it it will still creep back on me but i still push it and push it and push it i have never like intentionally addressed it up to this day <laughs> over 15 years plus i have never addressed it and it it's grown it's grown into something big that has a lot of strength and tries to push itself and present itself right at the Now, to move from the back of my mind to right in front of my face. So, first thing I did when it was happening is I swore to myself that I was never going to let, if I'd get a kid, if I'd get a family, I was never going to let my child be with any other person apart from my sisters and my parents. Not even other family, friends, or cousins, or other relatives. I swore to myself: it's going that if I get a family and a child, I would make every effort to see that I am going to take care. I don't even want a maid. <laughs> that is what I swore to myself at that age—think twelve or thirteen—and <laughs> um, so growing up at. You know i still have this uh this it it made me have a lot of resentment and hate uh, towards what happened but not a specific person just hate towards that thing that happened and from i think from that day i grew an overwhelming compassion for kids I used to love kids, yeah, but now this time it was, there was something attached to them. I, there was this feeling of I need to protect them. And that means to start with my sisters. So I felt like I have to protect them. I have to love them just to make sure nobody, no one takes advantage of them or mistreats them. So that was the first thing. So up to date, I have this overwhelming compassion for kids, especially those who are, as in anyone who is younger than me, that I feel like I can be a big brother to them. And also compassion towards other people who have been abused or have just gone through something difficult in their life. Um, for a long time, I think, Up to date, I don't close my eyes when praying, especially praying, because I would close my eyes, you know, during school parades on Mondays or Fridays. We are praying, I would close my eyes, and immediately the images I would see is of me uh, having sex with uh, other men. I would not see the faces, but it was always me having sex with with just some random man and that was so disturbing to me. I don't close my eyes when praying even as an adult because I don't want to see (laughs) such images in my head. Most times I have had nightmares where Again, it's just me having sex with a random man, and I had to wake up <laughs> in the middle of the night try to get that dream to go away. Uh, I think. i've tried avoiding this but i think i had i had a really tough year in 2017 because now all this trauma and you know PTSD from all those years came back oh i have to mention something else it was not hard for me to forgive him and i think it ended the abuse ended because first of all he had grown and started dating some other lady even when they were dating he would still find time to you know do what he did at night and so I think um yeah that's five, six, seven I became a candidate the dynamics of my life and his life started to to grow and so I also I didn't spend at their place uh, a lot and also so when i went to high school also i got busy and he got married i think i think that's the thing that <laughs> got me out of it yeah and years later when i was in college now a bit grown up there's there are times that i would confronted him but through text you know i told him you're what you did to me was not good and yeah i think i just told him what he did was not good and i did not like it but each time he would try and defend himself defend himself in the sense that he tried to make it feel like he was doing me a favor by exposing me to things that were normal and things that were happening in the world or around me so I did not have a problem with forgiving him. There's there's a time, uh, no I have moved out of that city, there's a time I went back and actually decided to meet him and that time I was not talking to him, I have not talked to him for a long time and so we met and I told him, I actually told him it was a hard conversation, Very few minutes because i i still don't have the strength to talk about it but i think i made him know that i did not like what he did and the reason i have been quiet and not talking to him was because of that and because i'd seen he he didn't have he didn't see the need of even asking for forgiveness so that happened and uh, his response again after even telling him that <laughs> his response again he was so unrepentant and defended himself. And I think that is the day that I just made, I just decided, okay, there's no need me. I'm just going to cut you off. I have forgiven you. Keep going on with your life. He used to call it milking. So would be like, oh, uh, remind me, remember, he used to say, remember our time, good times we had uh, milking you. You should come back, we we'll try it again. I'm going to do this and this to you, and man... I felt hurt, uh, not because of what he had done, but because of his attitude and... the ignorance to see the impact that that had... had in... in my life. And so... the relationships I had with other people especially men it was like okay let's let's have this friendship or this interaction but from a distance there are things there are things you can't do to me there are some lines you can't cross yeah we know each other but you keep your keep your distance nothing too deep, too deep I had a few few very few I think like three that were now like close, close friends, but even to them, I never talked about this uh, to them. Um, My relationship with my parents and sisters grew, I think it, that experience made, made our relationship uh, grow stronger, stronger, but in the sense that for me, I was looking at it like, okay, this must never happen my sisters so my relationship with them grew because I wanted to be there for them and to love them and to protect them at all cost Um, it's only (laughs) one of my sisters who knew who knows and this is because I had to tell her when she came to visit me in hospital 2018 November date 25 yeah the PTSD trauma plus other things in my life then had piled up so much that I tried to look for a way out (laughs) of this world myself so got hospitalized and she came to visit and she asked why. That was a very emotional time for me. She was, I saw tears running (laughs) down the cheeks of my sister and I told her, this big brother of ours that we knew for a very long time, uh, did this and this to me. She asked why I have never talked about it. Just told I don't didn't know how. And I I made her swear that she's not going to tell anyone. I'm going to talk to the rest of my family when I was ready. So I think she's the only one who knows. And I'm planning, I'm going to talk, I'm going to tell the rest of the family. Uh, the hard one is going to be my <laughs> my mom and dad. They still talk, I <laughs> think they still talk on phone, and they usually are. Uh... So, my mom uh, asks, Oh, did you talk to so and so? I'm like, Ah, now you're not talking a while. Ah. He also tells them, Oh, ah, it's been long since he's talked to me. So, when mom asks why, I can't tell her why I don't want to talk to her, but I'm just like, Ah, I'll look for him, I'll look for him. So. That's going to be a hard conversation, honestly. I'm not ready, I am not ready for it, but I'm going to have to talk. Mm. I've had, I think, a I healthy relationship with the opposite sex, I've had only two relationships and i think they knew or they know about what happened and uh, i can say they've been supportive but there's still some some doors in my mind that I have never really, really opened up, and by doors I mean doors that there's some parts of my life that I have, you know, refused to open up up to date. And I think maybe this, this as I'm not really sure, but I feel like it was somehow of a barrier in the relationship. And especially due to the fact that I was, I was trying to hide and not address it. So the more energy used in hiding means I was hurting people in different ways that I was not aware of. Right now, I think I am at a much better place psychologically. But not where I want to be. I still feel like I have a lot of work to do. To get healing and just to shine this light onto this dark place that I have in my heart and um, healing especially so that I can get rid of the suicide thoughts that I I had. It's been a while since I had them. I think it's because I've be- I become intentional about dealing with it. Uh, even coming here and talking about it. <laughs> it's it's not easy. I think I, I have had to. <laughs> Man. <sighs> I Really, really want to be intentional about dealing with it psychologically and starting or even continuing the process of healing because i don't want to get into a space where i find the strength to try and commit suicide 2018 happened and i don't want to go back to that so that's why I even decided to talk about this in poetry. I use spoken one poetry and music to you know as my therapy <laughs> therapy sessions, but I want to be intentional and do it even with a professional. So um, and working on this project that i'm working on right now it's called mira and it's basically about it's basically about the trauma and abuse and everything that that incident brought in my life and made me deal with and for me that was like okay since i love poetry um, a performing spoken word poet let me use this platform to start my process of uh, healing <laughs> Most times I look back and say if my friend and I from school age 12 would not have taken that road then maybe this wouldn't have happened. I have so many things in my mind that I look at and say if we had done this, if this had happened, if I talked to my parents or someone that first day that i was forced to watch a polo movie this wouldn't have happened if i would have opened up to my parents it wouldn't have continued if i would have been firm or brave enough to fight for my own it wouldn't have happened but you know i can spend more time thinking about why and things that could have i would have done it wouldn't have facilitated that now that it happened so what can I do to make sure that the next person doesn't face any sort of uh, abuse whether it's uh, violence whether its sexual mental what can I do Um, and that's I think that's the question I'm asking myself now instead of beating myself up and feeling uh, unworthy and unwanted. <laughs> right now, I'm just like, ah. Uh, the promise I made to myself that if I get a family, if I have kids, first of all, I'm not, uh, no one, I have, I'm still, I still have that insecurity. I'm I can't leave, I won't leave my child with anyone else apart from my sisters or my parents. Yeah, even right now, uh, that promise I made to myself when I was young, going through that incident, I think either 12, 13 years old, and right now that I'm grown, I still have that belief. I can, I have very, very, very close friends dear to me, but I'm still not comfortable, as in envisioning myself leaving them with my kid, maybe for five minutes to go and buy something, then come back. <laughs> But I, I told myself that I will try and teach my kids to be free and open and to speak when something odd or unusual happens or is about to happen to them. To teach them to, to know the boundaries and limits that other people can go know that they cannot be touched in a certain way and know that it is wrong for them to be told certain things or forced to watch or forced to do certain things so i mean i i i I will i will try and do everything and anything read ask for advice just to make sure that i will protect my kids my family my sisters my sister's (laughs) kids, and any other kid outside there because i feel like no one should go through that no one should be forced to have sex with an older person especially a kid should not be forced to have sexual relations with someone and for me especially same-sex or opposite sex no one should be forced to do anything they don't want to and we should all protect our kids I I have tried to really, really go into detail and talk about what happened but honestly speaking uh, Um, honestly speaking it's not easy and especially because I have to go back and relieve everything and like smell everything I still have the smell of everything his sweat breath His hands when they were wet. (laughs) Everything, and... It's not a pleasant experience. So... Yeah. should look for a therapist (laughs) a friend of mine had organized one for me it's when I left the hospital in 2018 but I think I was I was in too much pain that I did not want to talk (laughs) again to someone else to go back and relieve that right now at least I have strength and I have a purpose attached to it so I am willing. and uh, ready.
1: really sad, very sad, sad, sad story, very, very tragic experience. Ah uh, yeah, it's 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 been so hard. So hard listening to this over and over again. And um, I cannot just imagine what it must have gone through. You know, experiencing this as a child and relieving the experience as an adult. It must have been difficult. I'm happy he wants to heal. I'm happy he wants to um, get some help. And if, you, if you'd like to get across to him, if you'd like to help in that process, he's um, starting a project soon um, to reach out to other survivors and to also um, heal in the project, um, in the process. So if you'd love to get across to him and um, help him on in this journey, please, um, you can reach me through my website, through my WhatsApp or via mail or any of our social media handles and then um, we'll get you across to him Uh, just before the close of this episode um, i'd like to um, give a few points here men who were sexually abused as boys or teens may also respond differently than men who were sexually assaulted as adults um, There's some things, um, some experiences, some um, behavioural changes you may see, uh, which um, survivors have actually uh, shared over the past, and um, which may help in knowing that, um, knowing what other people are uh, experiencing, and you know, being able to identify this, and um, actually offer to help. Um, Some of those are anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, flashbacks, eating disorders, avoiding people or places that remind you of the assault or abuse, um, concerns or questions about sexual orientation. Uh, Another is fear of the worst happening and having a sense of a shortened future. Another one, very great one, is feeling less, feeling like less of a man that you no longer have control over your own body. Always feeling on edge, being unable to relax and having difficulty sleeping. A sense of blame or shame over not being able to stop the assault or abuse, especially if you know you experienced an erection or ejaculation. Withdrawal from relationships or friendships is another one and an increased sense of isolation and then there's this worrying about disclosing for fear of judgment or disbelief these are some of um, the issues the the common uh, problems that um, especially male sexual child sexual abuse survivors experience and um, um, that is Uh, just you know the tip of the iceberg again um, to share this to help others heal uh, please do visit our website www.littlebitsofstuffwithnick.com and um, um, you can share this you can um, um, allow other people to learn from this and you can also send in your stories or you can um notify me if you want to share your experiences uh, as a child sexual abuse survivor until another episode which which is coming in in a week's time please tune in and remember there's always help
0: And that's it on Little Bits of Stuff for today. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Podcast. You can also get it on Audio Mac and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Little Bits of Stuff. That's L-I-L-B-I-T-S-O-F-S-T-U-F-F. And on Instagram at Little Bits of Stuff. That's L-I-T-T-L-E Bits of Stuff. Until next time, stay healthy.